0: This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging so it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen & Main to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience, distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen & Main, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions, with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion-dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. And I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. I've known Lila and her husband, Jeremy, not just as fellow product founders, but fellow Dallas founders for years. I love husband and wife founding teams for all the obvious fun reasons, but also given Jen and I worked together for years. Lila and Jeremy started Hari Mari as a premium flip-flop brand and have taken over people's feet across the country. I actually just found out about their new initiative, Studio, to move into other areas of footwear in unique ways, given how much demand they've received from their customers for footwear beyond flops. We talked about the unique challenges of building a company in the product space, along with the universal truths we face as founders building a company with offices and team members across the country there's quite a bit of relatable and educational bits of wisdom. Say hello to Lila and Jeremy and the whole team on Instagram at Hari Mari Shoes. That's H-A-R-I-M-A-R-I Shoes. And go get yourself and everyone you know the most comfortable flip-flops ever. Lila, it's uh, a privilege to host you here. I know we get to spend a fair bit of time together at trade shows around town here in Dallas, but glad to host you here at our new office new to you because you hadn't been here yet. So thanks for making some time to come on over.
1: Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me, Kevin. This is super cool. Appreciate it.
0: So, uh, I know plenty about you. We've known each other for a number of years. And this Dallas ecosystem of clothing, apparel startups is is a strong and fun one. Mm-hmm. But for those who are not familiar with Hari Mari, share a little bit about the, the company, your background with it, um, and other things that kind of help give context to those just hearing about you for the first time.
1: Sure. Hari Mari is a Dallas-based uh, premium flip-flop brand. My husband and I started it back in 2012. After a three-year stint of living in Indonesia, we were both working on kind of crazy projects over there, both related to trying to do a little bit of good for kids in Southeast Asia. And so when we moved back, we wanted to continue along that path of trying to help kids, but we wanted to start a company and notice that there was a little bit of a void in the market for premium and color and comfort. So we decided to tackle it, and here we are—about six and a half years later—and um, doing so from Dallas, Texas. The one and only flip flop company that's not headquartered in California.
0: <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing for me. Um, I pay a lot more attention to products than I used to. I feel like I grew up in Florida, and I feel like growing up all of my contemporaries, all of my friends wore rainbows Mm -hmm. and that was the company. And now I feel like everybody I know wears Hari Mari. So you're doing something right to be the premium something. Um, and that's, that's really special to hear. So where, where do people buy Hari Mari? Obviously you have your website, but what's kind of the distribution and makeup of the products that you offer and who's buying them?
1: Well, that's too kind. I feel like I live under a flip-flop rock. So we certainly <laughs> wish we would see more people in them. So that's really nice. On our website, harimari.com, obviously our top two retailers are uh, Nordstrom and Zappos. And then we do a lot of business with Neiman's, Von Mar um, and specialty men's and women's boutiques across the country.
0: And then uh, the distribution for you guys, are you just here in the US or do you have some international as well?
1: Primarily here in the US, I'd say 95% of our distro is here in the United States. We do have a Japanese distributor. We do some international business through our resorts. We we have a a healthy resort business with the Four Seasons and Ritz Carlton and some other hotel chains, Mm -hmm. but for the most part here in the US.
0: And we were just discussing before we we hit the record button, you guys are moving into some new categories, which is pretty darn exciting.
1: We are, we just today, or this week, I forget what day of the week it is. It's Friday, right?
0: I I was talking with someone earlier and I said, oh oh my God, it's Friday. I I blinked and it was last Friday.
1: I know. I keep thinking it's Monday. I don't know why, but it's Friday. So this week we launched Men's Shoes. Super exciting. It's something that we've been thinking about and putting a lot of energy and thought into for years. And we Mm -hmm. finally pulled the trigger and, and just launched this week.
0: And you guys, you have a couple different shoes that you're launching. And it's, as we were discussing earlier, you have a really passionate Customer base; those will be the first ones to kind of buy them up. How do you think about continued expansion from there? Based on customer feedback, is it based on what you're seeing in the market? What makes you obviously you're you're starting with men's shoes, mm-hmm. women's everything is always a little bit harder in the apparel world, apparel and mm-hmm. footwear. Um, what do you think will come next?
1: I think we'll continue to push to the lifestyle direction mm-hmm. in our space in our category with flip flops. Primarily everything that and all the brands for the most part prior to us were all beach and Mm -hmm. all surf, which is great. But one thing that we felt was missing was a flip-flop that kind of spoke to their consumer in a way that people are wearing them more now, right? Mm -hmm. So, and for us, that's lifestyle, whether it's Mm -hmm. going to a ranch, a lake, happy hour, going to work, everything's getting more casual. Just to kind of continue along that path, we'll continue to add additional footwear. Ladies are certainly in the queue um, and some clothing and accessories to sport it. Uh, support that, but just continue in the lifestyle direction that we're in.
0: Yeah. So, um, you mentioned earlier, you guys were in Indonesia doing Mm -hmm. some, doing some good. Uh, and as we've talked about before, you had this concept for making this hole in the market from that concept to the first prototype. And then the first prototype to, we should go launch this business and you hit go live on your website. What were some of the key milestones in there? What did you do to move things forward and um, for those curious as to how you can take this concept into prototype into actually launching a business, what indicators did you receive to say, we should gamble a whole lot and gamble our future um, and try and make something real here?
1: Well, I wish my husband were here because there's a little bit of role reversal in our relationship. So he picks the, he does the design work. He picks the colors, he packages it up. And I'm the one that he calls our Um, Wholesale Wildebeest, and I've been the one to get it out into market. So- Wildebeest,
0: I like that. Yes, isn't
1: that a kind adjective? How lovely. Um, So really the whole process from the idea to when we actually launched was about a year and a half to two year long process. We were doing R&D, we did focus groups. We did on local campuses, we went in and talked to everybody about what they did and didn't like about flip-flops, how often they purchased, what that looked like, brands they liked. All of the above. Um, Jeremy always jokes that his sketches that he took to our first manufacturer literally were made out of crayon, and he's kind of joking <laughs> but and being humble. And they weren't with the crayon necessarily, but they were definitely sketches. Yes, not what they should be. But um, so it took a couple different prototypes. Um, he, Hari Mare originally the idea of wanting to to do an actual flip-flop was was Jeremy's vision. It was his idea. and I honestly like everyone else thought he was a little bit crazy, but Jeremy's so smart that I knew that whatever he wanted to do that it was going to be good. And so literally when I saw the first prototype, I got chills. I couldn't believe it. it was beautiful. Um, it was different. it was unique and at that point it was like, all right, we're all in and um, here we are so I don't know if I completely answered your question but All in all, from idea to the day before we basically turned on our site, it was about a year and a half, two-year process.
0: And when you got that first prototype, did you have manufacturing contacts based on your network or did you go into Google and type in, how do I make a flip-flop? Google. Yeah.
1: You know, living in Southeast Asia for three years gave us a little bit of experience of how to do business in Asia, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't that foreign for us. But um, yeah, it, it was online research and calling mm-hmm. a few folks and, and trying to navigate where do we want to go? where do we not want to go? Mm-hmm. But China is a little bit different in that they don't they don't take everybody you, you have to sell yourself right So we didn't originally get into the factory that we first wanted wow. to. Yeah we kind of went with plan B with a factory that we were we were okay with it. It ended up not being the quality that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, the the original factory that we af- approached first, had said no. They kind of laughed at us. They're like, ha go get, come back when you have some POs. Right. And um, so we went with Plan B and it was fine, but we knew ultimately we wanted to get back to Plan A. <laughs> and about a year later, we got a phone call from the man- the owner of the manufacturer. And he said, we have an opening. We're like, oh really? Well, how did that come about? And apparently the guys at Quicksilver had taken a pair of Hari Maris to the factory because Quicksilver's made there and said, mm-hmm. mimic this toe piece, which we actually have a patent on now. And so <laughs> the owner called us back and he said he had an opening and he thought, like, well, if Quicksilver is paying attention to what this yeah. new brand is doing, maybe we need to let him in.
0: And by paying attention, he means trying to take their intellectual property. Yes. Yeah, It's yes. funny, you said um, the sketches were not what they should be, but I think that's a, that's a unique part of journeys like ours where it's, there's no should be at the end of the day, because it's whatever it is to get it done. True. And um, the great part is uh, having enough tenacity to say, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm mm-hmm. gonna get enough together and, and push hard enough to to get that first prototype done. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when you hit publish on harimari.com, did you have any wholesale accounts at that point in time? Uh, no. Okay.
1: This is a really funny story too, if you yeah. wanna hear it. So Jeremy's alarm goes off at 3.30 in the morning the morning, the day we're set to launch, March twenty second of twenty twelve, and they look over. I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Site's going live today." I'm like, "I know, but it's three thirty in the morning. We had Thrillist set to feature Harimari the day we oh, launched.
0: That's pretty good,
1: yeah." And so he was thinking it was going to be gangbusters. I was like, "Well, I'll see you, you know, at eight thirty when <laughs> when we're supposed to get there." And and sure enough, it was so funny. We laughed to this day about it because we got like maybe twenty. Twenty web orders our first day, primarily yeah. from friends and family, which yeah. was really funny. But no, we were nuts. We didn't have a single order from a store the day we went live. Yeah, and um, we just didn't know. Well, you
0: know? and that's that's also the way of of most DNVBs today. Is yeah, you don't you prove yourself before wholesale accounts come. Whereas before you went to trade shows and hopefully got some orders to then hopefully get your company going. Right. Um, And now it's just get out there and start selling and then the wholesale will come
1: um, if if you want to. Yeah, we placed a blind order for 25,000 pairs. 25,000. 25,000 pairs. Was that the
0: full, like that was the bare minimum or that was what you felt like you needed to do in order to make it actually happen?
1: I can't remember. I think that was their minimums. Yeah. but either way so i literally the day after we went live i threw the samples in my car and i was on the road for the better part of 6 months
0: 6 months
1: yeah. wow and by the end of the summer pretty cool we had 54 stores selling the selling the brand within That's a 6 month period yeah
0: and then now you have to go figure out everything else
1: yes exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um started out with just you two mm-hmm. um, how many years before you hired somebody
1: Well, my brother actually was with us in the beginning. Okay, He had just graduated from nursing school and he was looking for a job. And if Jeremy and I were being honest, we were secretly hoping that he would, in working with us, that he would love it so much that he'd never wanna leave and wanna go be a nurse. Well, we were wrong. So (laughs) he was with us in the beginning. We had him for the first six months. There
0: are some higher callings.
1: Yes, for sure. And um, so he was an incredible help to us in the beginning. And obviously with him being my brother, you, tr- you trust him. So we trusted him and, and he's obviously a smart guy. So that was wonderful to have him. So we were fortunate in that regard. And um, once he left, we were pretty bummed. So we had we had one employee to start and um, really didn't start making additional hires until after that. And I mean, for the most part, it was Jeremy and I for a long time.
0: And how many people do you have today?
1: Um, if I'm factoring in our team here in Dallas, sales reps, yep and our California crew, we've got like 40, 45.
0: That's great. Yeah. So you, um, you you mentioned the the trust factor. I think it's a good segue in, I think we've recorded around fifth, 12 or so of these founders 15. Um, that means I think 30% of them have been husband and wife teams. Really? Um, I, I guess maybe more if you count Jen and I, um, Third love, Heidi and Dave, uh, Sweaty Betty, uh, Simon and Tamara, um, just did another one. Oh, uh, Weiss watches um, Cameron and Whitney. Um, you guys and then Jen and I. That's and, so cool. And there, there's a lot of investment advice that would say don't, don't do that for all <laughs> the obvious reasons. But that doesn't factor into if you get it right, the trust factor there and the opportunity to push in a different way and to build something um, that you know no one can ever work around the clock, but as a husband and wife team whose whole life is on the line, mm-hmm. um, professionally at least, of course, um, there is something very different from a trust factor there. So um, before we get into the next question, just how has it been for you guys? Because it was, Jen doesn't work with us anymore. Um, she still has to hear me talk about it all the time, but it was one of the best things I think we ever could have done for our marriage and certainly for our life was to have this experience together. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people say I would absolutely kill my spouse. There's no way I could do it. And there's no right or wrong answer there, but for us, it was a great thing.
1: Yeah, I love that you and Jen enjoyed it because Jeremy and I absolutely do. I think no one really understands what you're going through when you start a company. You can certainly relate. Even if you tell your friends and your Mm -hmm. family about it, they don't really get it. So having each other to be in the weeds with is priceless. I mean, in the beginning, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it wasn't pretty. There were some times where our employees were like, oh, wow, you know, mm-hmm. how are they? Mm-hmm. But um, we figured out our lanes. We have, oh. we figured it out essentially. And um, I'm, I'm so thankful for it. There's things that I certainly could not do mm-hmm. that he can and vice versa. Yeah. And it's a good marriage in that regard too. So two totally, completely different skill sets that complement each other. Mm-hmm. And so it works. But I get why people say, oh, my God, I kill my spouse. Because there have been days where we thought about it. You
0: know? <laughs> and that's everybody. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just life. Yeah. Um, a very funny story. So a deeply personal story. I've shared before that I think it's a very healthy thing for people to have um, a counselor or therapist to talk to just... Life is tough and yep. um, it's a good thing. Uh, just talking to somebody about it recently, it's like a coach um, yep. and uh, all athletes have coaches to get better and we always want to get better in life. Um, Jen and I have seen a, um, a counselor for a number of years together and we've seen him individually and it's always been very helpful. And um, this is going to sound like I have it all figured out and I definitely don't. But in this moment, it worked really well and I, maybe we'd seen him recently. And I said something in a meeting with our senior leadership team and Jen, I said it to Jen and Within 30 seconds, I realized I I didn't want to say it that way. I didn't like what I said, and I just said, "Hey, sorry, guys. I, Jen, I really shouldn't have said it that that way. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Understand? Thank you." And she kind of nodded, and our senior leadership team kind of everybody looked at each other, and there was this what just happened, like it's, it's as if someone, it's as if the counselor had stepped into that meeting and mediated us and we'd gone through an hour's worth of work together. Um, and I just kind of looked and said, no, I just, I made a mistake. That's it. And it, it takes a lot of outside help for me, at least to be able to get in that place. But it was very funny to watch, um, <laughs> to watch the other people in the room try and process what had just happened.
1: Can you call Jeremy when we're done?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass along the number. Okay. This guy's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so when you think about the culture of, um, of Harimari, you guys have um, a, a rapidly growing number of people and you've got distributed workforce because you've got a team out in California as well. How do you define the culture of what you're doing? And what do you feel like you do as one of the leaders to defend that culture and ensure that the values aren't just something that's written up on the wall?
1: Great question. I love my team. We have an amazing team. And I would describe them as hardworking, passionate, smart, and just cool people. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeremy and I have a a very strong no asshole policy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think we've talked about this before.
1: Probably, and um, you know, it's it's tempting, and sometimes you may not be able to tell if someone's an asshole. But if we, you know, we've probably hired a few assholes. We all have, and they we they weed themselves out pretty quickly at Harimari because we've got a positive positive crew that have drank the Harimari Kool Aid.
0: And when you see instances that are um, particularly great that represent that, or you see things that are taking you in the wrong direction. What have you felt like uh, worked particularly well to either highlight it or nip it in the bud or kick it out the door?
1: You know, fortunately, there hasn't been too many instances where I've seen something that I was embarrassed by or made me disappointed in Mm -hmm. our team by their, sure, maybe I want someone to work a little bit harder or check out the resolution on this image a little bit better, little things like that. But Mm -hmm. fortunately, from a character standpoint, there hasn't been issues where i've been like man that was a bummer um there have been people that didn't have good character and they they've they've since left so um, i really can't say enough about our team we've gotten better about hiring i think our turnover's a little bit less cuz we've been able to figure out before bringing them on if mm-hmm. they're going to be a good member i'm sure you can relate mm-hmm. um but because everyone on our team is so cool and good yeah. good people if people come on board that aren't they don't they don't last long yeah
0: it's uh, there's at, at the outset, you get some great people and then you're growing so fast. There's the sense of just needing, I, I just need people. Yeah. And obviously some people are very easy to say that's not a good fit, but um, it is surprising how some people reveal themselves in very odd ways over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the best part about running a team and it's the absolute hardest part about running a team is yep. when that goes Right and when it goes wrong. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> when you think about getting started, you're going to go build Harimari. Obviously, hope build it into something pretty extraordinary. There are those first few months and years where you're scrapping by to get to get it together. Always fascinated to hear the differing timeframes of people who start a company. How long did you go without paying yourselves because you guys worked together? Mm -hmm. Um, I had the good fortune of um, Jen would help me at night, but was still working a quote unquote real job during the day to keep us afloat as a family. How long did you guys go before you were able to start paying yourselves something close to a normal salary?
1: Gosh, well, we didn't start taking a salary until two years in. And then even then it was was nominal. It definitely wasn't what we could be making out in the private sector. So, um, but we—I mean—we were really fortunate to have bootstrapped Harimari personally for a really long time. But it, it was a struggle. I mean, and, and a sacrifice as well. But about about two years until we took a paycheck.
0: It's a really long time. I know. It's it's hard to imagine. Stop what you're doing, and you're not going to get a paycheck for the next two years. Did you feel like you had really buffered yourself for that, or you just kind of made it work? Did you? Did you know it was going to be two years? No. Yeah, of course
1: no. not. <laughs> no, and I look back and I don't know how we did it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but we managed and we got by and yep. it was fine.
0: Just find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who most inspired you along the way? Could be somebody that you know personally or famous.
1: I love this question. And there's so many different ways I could go with it. But I'll start with saying, growing up, it was my grandmother's. I had a really unique childhood in that both of my grandmothers who I was able to to be with until I was 30 were fiercely independent, fiercely strong and really unique women. Back at a time where that generation was supposed to be at home with the kids. I had one grandmother who was a famous astrologist. Wow. And everything she lived her life by had everything to do with astrology, it was fascinating. Okay. And then I had another grandmother who was a single mom, um, worked her whole life and was Fiercely into politics, and both of whom taught me to let my freak flag fly a little bit. Be strong, be bold, and be you, and do whatever it is you want to do, you should Mm -hmm. do it. So, growing up, and then my mom's obviously really strong too. So, having that kind of female influence was huge for me. So, growing up, you know, you evolve in terms of who you admire, but growing up, I, because that, I loved Oprah, I loved Madonna. But now, It's so different. It's not these larger than life celebrities. It could be random people that I meet. Basically anybody that puts themselves out there and works really hard to do it. I admire, Yeah, you know, whether it it could be anybody, no one famous, just that's what I get daily inspiration from now.
0: When you say your grandmother was fiercely into politics, fiercely liked doing and talking politics, or she was like someone who worked in In politics.
1: She was in politics.
0: Fascinating. Yes, at
1: that point in time, she couldn't be a politician just because the day and age that she lived Mm -hmm. in, but she was people's assistants, a secretary, and she was very involved. Very engaged. Yes, she was married to- What state? um, Was it here in Texas? In Missouri. Missouri, okay. And her second husband, so my step-grandfather, represented Missouri in the Senate for about 30 years. Wow. So they were really involved. Um, So it was really interesting having those two women who couldn't be more different, um, but weren't stay at home moms. And that there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but back then it kind of was, it was just
0: a very different, different world. Totally. Um, we talked on this a little bit before we again hit record, but, um, how do you stay sane?
1: Lots of wine, a little bit more wine and then working out.
0: Hopefully not in that order.
1: (laughs) You never know. It'd be a very interesting workout.
0: (laughs) What's your favorite wine?
1: Oh, gosh. Mm. It
0: doesn't have to be a specific bottle. If you're going to drink something, what do you reach for typically?
1: It depends on the year. Okay. Time of year.
0: Yeah. That's what I figured you meant. You probably weren't weren't such a uh, wine lover that you could tell the difference between all the years.
1: No, I love a good rosé in the summer, glass Mm -hmm. of white wine. glass of red in the winter, maybe with some Italian food. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just after a a crazy day, which most days are in the world of Harimari, you got to crack up in a bottle of wine to get home and chill out a little bit.
0: Excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, and then workouts, are you, do you go do classes? Do you spin? Do you work out in the house? Do you go to the gym? You could just go for runs. What's your workout? I'm a gym
1: rat and I love weights. I love running. Um, but working out is my, my therapy. That's great. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, if everything would be okay for a month while you were gone, where would you go? What would you do away from it? Quote it all, and it can be with your kids. It can be by yourself. It can be with your husband, um, It can be some sort of mix. What would that month look like for you?
1: I am a travel junkie.
0: Yeah, obviously from the prior, prior life.
1: Yes, Jeremy and I both have such a thirst for travel. So we would take off with the kids and I, I particularly enjoyed third world countries. Um, so I would go hit up as many third world countries as I could.
0: And that would be with the whole family. mm mm-hmm. Awesome.
1: Traveling with kids is a little bit of a challenge, but I'd feel like a bad mom leaving them. So that <laughs> we'd have to bring them.
0: Do you have a top destination on your list for next? Mm. Knowing that a month probably isn't gonna happen. But if you what's your next most desired place to go to?
1: I wanna go to Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting easier. It is. But I think that's it's retracted a little bit.
0: I think yeah, it's, just go to Mexico
1: first. Yeah. True. Yeah. Very true. I didn't, yeah.
0: I didn't say that recorded on the podcast. I didn't hear it. Um, what would you say your biggest sacrifice has been um, since starting Hari Mari?
1: Gosh, time away from my kids. I travel a bunch, I'm on a plane once a week. Um, and that's been a big struggle. i tell myself that they're so young that they won't remember. By the time they're old enough to remember it, I'm hoping I'm home more. I tell myself they won't remember it. That's been a huge sacrifice. Mm um we've also been horrible friends and horrible family members because we've been so busy i mean through the months of january through september we we just we're just too busy we're gone um you can relate so we've been (coughs) shitty friends but then in the fall we try and make up for it a little bit
0: (laughs) i uh in obviously having this these conversations with founders and and doing this podcast it's helpful for me to hear the reinforcement around the friends um, the, the difficulty of remaining a good friend. Yeah. Um, I was talking with Alex Faraday recently and he was saying, you know, he, his friends give him plenty of shit for it, but it, it's hard because you have, uh, you can't ignore the business. Your family is always the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still have to live and take care of yourself. Um, and it just really, there's not that many hours in the day or days in the month or weeks in the year to be able to, to get away with friends, to, to even just do dinner. And then with kids that trying to coordinate babysitters and schedules, and if they're sick or you guys both work, so you're traveling for work, um, that's been an increasing while I always feel this sense of sacrifice for time away from my son and and the strain that it can put on family and, and that's the difficulty for it, for Jen and I and for my family. Um, but man, the, the friends thing has really started to come up more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because now we're six years into this feeling like I there's some friends that I have not seen, friends that I would consider good friends that mm-hmm. I haven't really seen in a year. Mm-hmm. And as time marches on, as the business grows, as more demands come on the time, it's been profound for me recently. And there's no good, there's no right answer um, but it also, for me, reinforces. I've been thinking a lot about this, just how important time is overall, and mm-hmm. that, that I have to start saying no to more and more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. Because there are times where I really do want to see my friends.
1: I can relate. I'm. There's, Harimari is six and a half years old currently, and so a lot of friends who I still love and, and adore have, over time, just stopped asking. Unfortunately, because the answer for us is always no. It's not that we don't want to be there. Yeah, we don't really have a choice. But I'm really thankful for our friends that still ask. Yeah, even though that they know it's more than likely going to be a no. But I'm thankful that they still try, and I'm there in spirit. You know, but I can I can relate. It's hard. Um, I consider myself to be a pretty social person, mm. so um, it's a challenge for sure.
0: I a couple of weeks ago, uh, a few of us got together kind of last minute and I walked up to my friend's door. I was really glad to see him. I did really actually just want to go to sleep that night. I was pretty tired. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the other thing I fight pretty Mm -hmm. hard these days. And um, he has two young kids. So I called him from the front door. Do you want me to knock? Do you want me to just come in? You have dogs. What do you want me to do? And he said, no, just come in. So I walked in. And as I walked in, one of my very, very good friends who knows me very well and my tendencies, he goes, when I heard... When I saw it was your number calling, I was confident you were telling us that you weren't coming. It's like,
1: shit. Oh, man. Ouch. I get it. Yeah.
0: I get it. But yeah. um, uh, that was uh, that stung a little bit, but it's not, not anything that isn't true, just given everything else that's been going on. So yeah. we could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about the challenges of keeping up with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about uh, the growth that you've experienced over the last six and a half years, do you feel like there was a moment that things really started to change that over time there's this groundswell, but was, have you experienced a tipping point or it's just everything accumulated over the last six and a half years?
1: You probably get that question just as much as, as we do. Yeah. And there wasn't one particular thing or even two or three particular things. And I remember before we started, everyone said, give it five years. You got to give a business five years. I didn't even know what that meant when they were saying that. And um, But I think there's so much truth to that because we hit about at the age of f- about four and a half, it was like something happened and I can't even explain it outside of the sense of feeling like all of our hard work and effort was kindly, finally starting to come back through fruition. And I'm not saying we went out and bought like matching Hummers by any means. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying a, a sense of a broader, Maybe brand awareness about... Do you guys want matching Hummers? Hell no. Okay, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I didn't... Knowing you, how much I know you, I didn't think so. But I, yes, keep going.
1: So yeah, I think just giving it the time and um, obviously working really hard over that time period. But yes. there was something something very true about hitting four and a half at that five-year mark where you're like, whoa, we made it. We... Um, we're still here. And I think this is more than viable.
0: Has there been a, uh, has there been a pinch me moment for you guys where somebody that you didn't know uh, had bought it or you didn't give it to somebody and you see them wearing it and you go, oh, I can't believe that. Or when you get into a store that you'd always wanted to get into, about I, one of those?
1: Yes. And I, this was a really neat moment for us. This was about three and a half years ago. And I'm sure you had moments throughout Mizen where you were like, I need a sign. This is, this is tough and I need a moment. I need some sort of sense of clarity. And this was for me about three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was just been working too much, away from my kids too much, no work-life balance. And um, one of my girlfriend's mom gave me Joanna Gaines book. I'd never watched Fixer Upper. She said, you have to read this book. There's a lot of relatability, husband and wife team, starting a company, having kids at the same time. So I read it and I fell in love with the book. And at that, it, the, that at that point in time, it was also coinciding with me having this, this need for some sort of sign telling me that I'm on the right path to keep going, or do I need to go get a, another job to support Jeremy and I or whatever it may be. And Um, I had just closed the book and I walked into the living room to tell Jeremy that it was one of those books that was so good you're pissed when it's over. Yeah, And he hadn't seen the show either. And so he turns on the TV and it just happens that a Fixer Upper rerun is on. And he's like, shh. I'm like, what? And we look over at the screen and Joanna Gaines is wearing a pair of Hari Maris.
0: Oh, I just got chills. That is so cool. Isn't
1: it? And it turns out she has been wearing them on basically every other episode for like four of the, for the seasons. So wow. The, so that was really cool. Have,
0: have you guys made contact with her in any way? No,
1: we haven't. I probably should, but yeah. I, I don't know how she got the product. I, she obviously enjoys it, which is super flattering.
0: Yeah. That's, um, that's the best way mm-hmm. to, to discover that. Yeah, for sure. Rather than just getting the call. Hey, send them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: send them five pair.
1: Mm-hmm. Can yeah. we have some free product?
0: Free product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really cool moment. Yeah. We, um, Obviously, we've worked with a lot of pro athletes. It's part of kind of what defines us. And um, so it's always cool to see it when we see it. Um, But usually it's I've had the connection or I went to the locker room. And so I I know oftentimes the people that it's not a surprise that they have the product because we hit it sold to them or our team does trunk shows. um, But when there's somebody that I have no idea how they found out who we are, what the product is, and I see it. It is still just indescribably cool Mm -hmm. Um, and someone screenshotted and the great part is our customers and my friends they will tag me in pictures and so it's not as if i have to keep tabs of everybody Um, but espn had a picture of michael phelps at the um, ray lewis hall of fame ceremony and phelps was wearing a a main shirt oh man that's
1: awesome and
0: i i mean of course i immediately went to our shopify account and michael phelps is not in our shopify account so i don't know (laughs) i don't know where he got it from um and he could have bought it from any one of our wholesale accounts too but that was a really really cool moment and then we had um i was visiting one of our fabric factories um in asia and we were flying into i don't even remember what city time just blurs when you're over there and getting on a plane. It was myself and my COO and and our head of um, design and development, there was a guy wearing mizzen in Maine and he was a businessman from San Francisco who travels back and forth to Asia. And there we were uh, somewhere in Asia and there was a guy wearing mizzen in Maine and it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal to see. So for you to have just finished that book with this need for inspiration and Mm -hmm. and being in that moment to see Mm -hmm. it, that must have really just in such a good way shaken you beyond anything
1: it did it's been a long time since i've complained about i was like i couldn't ask for a bigger <laughs> sign <laughs> than what i just got yeah
0: have a bad sales day like another sign right now would be pretty I know, good
1: i know i can't i can't get yeah. greedy
0: though but um where do you see Mari in 10 years
1: i hope that when anyone thinks of flip-flops they think of Mari.
0: I do now, if that helps. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, and Kevin. seriously, I That's grew up wearing awesome. rainbows and I don't, I don't, are rainbows still around?
1: Of course. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a great brand. Um, but yes, I hope that we are a national top of mind flip-flop brand, but in addition are known for doing some good because of our philanthropy too. So
0: you want to talk about that for sure? Summer?
1: So we donate a percentage of our sales to kids who are battling pediatric cancer here in the U S we call it flops fighting cancer. Yep. Um it goes back to our time spent in Indonesia with the projects that Jeremy and I are both working on over there. We wanted to continue to do some good here in the u s. Mm-hmm. Keep it here in the u s. There's certainly a need for it. Pediatric cancer is the most fatal disease of children here in the United States, more so than all childhood diseases combined. And so we focus on you know producing a killer product and on the back end that we help kids along the way.
0: and with the um, work that you do, do you just work with specific charities or do you guys get involved with specific initiatives?
1: We've sliced the cake a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Primarily, we work with partner hospitals that don't turn away families that, based on their financial situation. Mm-hmm. So the money that we donate is earmarked to pay off their medical bills. And those same organizations we'll go into and do flop drops where we give the kids that are being treated their flip-flops and just trying to bring some sunshine to their day and there's other organizations that we work with that their main objective is to lessen the financial burden of families who are going through it with their kids
0: it's absolutely wonderful my one of my uh sisters good friends her son has um her son has cancer and it is it's unfathomable um as as you well know from from the work that you're doing there but it's it's one thing for a child to be sick, but another, when you think about the effects of pediatric cancer, that it's it robs kids of their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the pain and suffering that they have, but you're only a kid once. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's a one-two punch of, of pretty epic proportions, so.
1: It's horrible. One in every 400 children in the United States are diagnosed with cancer.
0: I had no idea it was that high. I
1: know. You know, the organizations have done a great job about breast cancer in October and mm-hmm. pink and, we just hope to bring a little bit of awareness to the kid's side of that, Yeah. so um, yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah,
1: of course, thanks for allowing me to.
0: Um, when you look at six and a half years ago, uh, it's probably not, not possible to fathom going back that far now with where you are today, but if you could tell yourself one thing, knowing what you know today, what would you tell yourself six years ago, six and a half years ago?
1: Be better about work-life balance. Kind of mm-hmm. back to what we're talking about with our friends. Make, yeah. make more time for your kids. Make more time for your family and your friends.
0: When do you think you started to get better about that?
1: Only when we were really able to, mm-hmm. in in hiring people. Yeah. Um. So maybe around that five-year mark. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, really starting to allow yeah. other people to to yeah, help
1: to take the reins.
0: The uh, the benefit the. The change that happens with allowing other people to participate and take some of that workload, again, it's some of the best parts and some of the hardest parts. But Mm -hmm. then we noticed, excuse me, we we noticed at the 20, 25 person mark, it just everything changed because Mm -hmm. it goes from everybody can turn and look at everybody to there's a little bit more of this thought of like departments and groups and not everybody knows each other to the same extent. Um, yeah. And it just took us a lot of very intentional focus for like 18 months to pull out of some of the more difficult moments that we experienced during that time. Cool. You, did you see when, when you cross that threshold, things start to change?
1: Mm, no. Cause the way that we've set up our employees is different, mm-hmm. right? We have our sales team is scattered across the country uh, yeah, and then our California t- head of design, her, um, and her assistant and our VP of sales are in California. Okay. And then we have our core team here.
0: So you have a, just a whole world of different challenges. Yes. It wasn't about a number, it was about being all over.
1: Yes. Wow. And trying to bring some synergy to all that, yep. right? And not feel like-
0: Sense of participation. Hari-Mari
1: East, Hari-Mari West, yeah. sales team versus in-house team, just trying to be cohesive and thoughtful with all I that.
0: I'm- Mind is blown. I'm, I, the challenges of doing it in one building are one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we have our own, own challenges, and we can all just walk together to be in a room. so that's <laughs> something different. what um it this may be it um based on what you just said, but do you have a single biggest regret?
1: I really don't. i I try not to live my life with regret. I don't think that's healthy, but I really don't. and and if i'm I guess if i if I had to answer it, I would say the same thing. And looking back, I wish I'd had more work life balance because you can't get that time back. Yeah. So other than that, I really don't.
0: That's a good perspective to have. Yeah. There's no, you don't, you answered it. You don't have to answer it. You're welcome to do. Yeah. It's founders 15. I asked the question. doesn't mean there's 15 answers. There you go. Um, What brings you the most joy every day?
1: Gosh, my kids. Mm -hmm. And then the immense pride I have in what Jeremy and I've done.
0: Very much so. Mm -hmm. It's hard to, it's hard to explain that feeling of seeing, again, the product out in the world and seeing people um, want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when you go to hire a role and you don't get a lot of applicants, you can kind of be a little down on yourself for a second. Mm-hmm. And then you put out another role and you get a hundred applications. And that's a pretty cool experience. It is. People want to be a part of what you're doing. So it is. Um, I love asking this, what, <laughs> what's your most embarrassing professional moment?
1: So I saw this question and I'm one of those people that has a terrible memory, but there was one moment and it was more so probably embarrassing for the other person, but I was just embarrassed to be a part of that conversation. (laughs) So when we first started, I was Hari Mari's sales rep. Mm -hmm. I was on the road schlepping my samples all over the country, getting us into stores. I'm not going to say the name of the store, but... I had, a, had, a, had an appointment, it was a men's store in Louisiana. And I walked in and the, um, the owner buyer wasn't there yet, but his parents were there working the store, overseeing the store um, in his absence. And I walked in and the guy was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I have an appointment, my name's Lila, I'm with Hari Mari, I have an appointment with your son. He's like, what are you selling? And I said, flip flops, and he was so condescending from the get go his son showed up and his son was very nice very cl- very kind and very polite and the husband and the dad came over and he goes I'll never forget it he goes is this all you do your husband must be supporting you
0: whoa
1: yeah and i was more one mortified for him for behaving that way and then for his sure. son to have to put up with that and i looked at him and i was like and I, when I walk into stores, even to this day, I don't say I'm the owner or the founder. Yeah. I'm just—I love being in stores. I love doing that. I don't think it's—I don't think it matters. No. Of course, uh, not I'll at all. of course I'll mention it if if it needs to be needs yeah. to be said. But and so I hadn't said that I was the owner. And so I actually I start packing up my sample bag and I look at his dad and I said, "I'm actually the owner," and no, my husband doesn't support me, and I actually don't want your business. And I walked out and I left. And Good for you, I was I was. I was so embarrassed that that, that happened. So anyways, it, necessarily, it may or may not have been embarrassing. My most embarrassing story for sure. me acting like a jackass. Sure. But like, I I was so embarrassed that he was such a jackass.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be embarrassed personally, but it is that there's an embarrassment in that situation. Yeah. That's really, you know, it's funny the that situation happens obviously a lot and that's not the funny part, but so many people would say in, you know, well, I would have gotten up and left. And not a lot of people would have. They they would have just kind of,
1: oh yeah, okay, thanks. Laughed it off and yeah. And yeah. you know,
0: it's business, so you gotta do what you gotta do. But yeah, the other piece of that is you associate yourself with that entity, with your brand there. Right. And um, sometimes you, you can't make everything exactly how you want it to be. And there's mm-hmm. gonna be some inartful moments in life. And there's an element of forgiveness, but there's also an element of, you know, what it's not. It's probably not worth it working with you because if this is how you treat people in mm-hmm. this in this scenario, I can't imagine in others.
1: Yeah. Needless um, to say, I haven't called on that store again.
0: <laughs> what is, I'm curious, what did the owner's son say?
1: He was mute. He was mute. He didn't say anything. Well, I also didn't really give him a chance to well, say I guess anything. It's
0: not the owner's son. What did What did the owner say? Because he is the son. Um, he, yeah.
1: And I he didn't, didn't
0: follow up in any way.
1: No. Wow. I know, uh, but I also didn't give them an opportunity to say, I'm sorry, or I'm not sorry or whatever. I just very quickly was like, all right, well, you know what, I actually don't want your business. Yeah. And I, and I, I wasn't rude about it at all. I just said, I you know, actually am the owner. No, my husband doesn't support me. And after second thought, I don't think we want to be sold here and just packed up my stuff and left. So that was that.
0: Damn, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, do you expect to be doing this your whole life?
1: Oh gosh. I don't know. I really go back and forth. I, abs- I'm, I, I'm obsessed with it. I can't imagine doing anything else, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I want to do it for it. I don't know if it's my forever. Mm-hmm. I, um, there's one part of me that would, that would, I think would be so neat to keep it in the family forever and look up and our kids are doing it. And, yeah. but there's another part of me that's like, I, and the thought of selling it and seeing someone do something with it that I may or may not agree with, that would be really hard. Mm -hmm. But also the idea of doing it forever seems tough to swallow in a way because it is such a grind. But I don't know. What about you?
0: I would like this to be the last thing that I ever do. Mm -hmm. And so forever is a question mark. Um, I've always said... There may come a time when I'm not the right person to be the CEO anymore, mm-hmm. and I would much rather be the founder of that really successful company than the CEO of that company that I rode straight into the ground. Yeah, um, I can't really imagine doing anything else, um, and I know there are very few people who are ever so fortunate to just do one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, I had jobs before this, but like what they love is what they end up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the team. I love. I love being a part of this. Um, I have feel like I've started to really find my, my groove, my element that I can focus on the things that I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. Um, I, we we're not a really title driven organization. And the example that I always give when talking to my team about it is like, I put CEO on my business card when we did no sales. We didn't do anything. It was just me sitting in my office, in my room, in my house. And yeah, I was CEO. So, no, titles don't mean a lot. They do matter ex- externally and for career development and all of that. But um, now, at this point in time, you mentioned bringing in other people. We just have such an extraordinary leadership team. People, uh, we. It was a tough couple of years in developing our culture. And there were some hard moments in there and, mm-hmm. and really tough conversations and some very brutal moments with with people. Mm-hmm. But most of that's, well, it is resolved. Um, and so now I, it's good. It's a really hard business. Oh, Apparel, yeah. footwear, products. It's really, really hard. You know, you can't go, you can't think you're gonna do 10 and do 10,000 because you have to make that much product in order for that to be possible. Mm-hmm. And so being wrong on the high or low side can be catastrophic at any given moment. And so the pressure is astronomical all the time, Yeah. but it's really damn cool, right? Cause like mm-hmm. software is one thing and people use software and that's great, but product, you can see the joy that people get out of wearing, engaging, sharing, you know taking pictures of talking about a product and you're making something it's tactile it's physical it's um it's impossible to ignore so that's a very long-winded answer to i i hope that i get to do this for a long time but we've raised money from i've raised money from angel investors and from an institutional investor and while there's zero pressure to you know what's my exit timetable at mm-hmm. a certain point you you get people you take people's money at a certain point you need to give them more back Yeah. if, if it goes well. Um, so I don't a hundred percent control exactly what that would look like because mm-hmm. we need to do right by the people who've entrusted us with their hard earned dollars. Yeah. Um, but they believe in us, they believe in me for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that I can just guide the ship in the right way to a really great point. And that could be a great point with another partner. It could be a great point, um, I don't. I don't think we'd ever go public, just given how tough market and regulatory environments are today. Yeah. So, that for me says. And our investors told me two years ago when I asked them this question, "What does that mean to you?" Um, they said, "Don't don't worry about that at all. Just go worry about building the best company you possibly can, and mm-hmm. everything else solves itself." Mm-hmm. So that's a great answer and a horrible answer because it's not like one thing that I can just say, this is what I have to go do.
1: But I like that because it's, how do you answer it? You don't, we don't, we also don't know what's gonna happen in two, five, seven, ten 10 years. So you gotta marinate on it and see what happens.
0: The good news for us is the obsolescence factor is very much not relevant like it is in uh, technology, yeah. right? I mean, it's unlikely that it's going to change dramatically. Now we changed the industry with the performance factor, but at the end of the day, people are still gonna be wearing clothes 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. There's no way that's gonna change. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I think it was uh, the 2000, it was, uh, there was a really great picture and I can't remember what the years were, but it was the not the most recent Pope, but the Pope before that, when he was announced versus the one before that. And there's a picture of him and there's thousands of people and everyone's standing there and then the most recent one, everybody has their phones up and their iPads and everything, and it's like, was that in your business plan? Because probably not. Yeah. And the change at which media and advertising, uh, the challenge I see is much more around what's happening from a media, from a marketing, from an advertising, from a consumer engagement perspective, rather mm-hmm. than like how do we stay highly relevant from an apparel perspective. Yeah, that's a, that's the scarier part is what's happening from a media marketing world.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: A lot to unpack there. There is. Um, So last serious question, then we get into the really, really serious questions. How do you want to be remembered?
1: For being authentic. That's it. I can't elaborate, but um, yeah, I think it's important, important for me at least, for being authentic.
0: And Are you and Jeremy in sync on that?
1: Mm, I think he would have a completely different answer. Night and day different. How so? Well, we're we're two totally different animals. I mean, um, he—I don't know how he would answer that. I have an idea. Okay. But.
0: But you don't want to guess on a recorded podcast.
1: Correct. That's fine. <laughs> I just know it would be very different from my response, that's and fair. that's that's the the yin and yang to yeah. to us.
0: It's working. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the super 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 serious questions of rapid fire. Um, Mm harimari.com and is it on Instagram, Twitter at Harimari? At Harimari Shoes. Shoes. Okay. Yes. And then, um, lots of great retailers across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have a, a wholesale account finder on your website as well? We do. Right, so go check it out and flip flops. Seriously, since I first met you, we because we launched both in 2012, mm-hmm. um, and warehouse in West Village was one of my first stores and one I think one of yours as well. Yeah. Um, since that day, since that introduction, um, that's that's it. And I I have not seen a pair of rainbows since being introduced to your brand. So I don't know if I have blinders on or what. That's too but, nice. But um, really awesome product and definitely encourage everybody for your next pair of flops. Thanks, Ken. And now shoes. Appreciate that. Um, Rapid fire questions. How many hours of sleep a night do you get?
1: Last night, three. <laughs> uh, Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a late plane, Yeah. Uh, late flight getting in last night. Um, couldn't wind down from the excitement of my day yesterday, but normally eight, seven or eight.
0: Good. I'm happy about that.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Me too.
0: <laughs> if you could use one, if you could use the gene editing technology CRISPR, where mm-hmm. you can go in and copy, paste, clip out certain parts of your genes, what one thing would you change?
1: Oh, goodness. Are we talking about physical characteristics or Anything personality that's controlled traits?
0: by your genes. Oh. So to a point you can't fly and you can't make yourself, you know.
1: That's a bummer, okay. Um, neon. Hmm.
0: Although maybe with gene, yeah, gene editing yeah. you could. But you can't fly.
1: Okay, that would be cool though. Um, I had skin cancer. Oh my gosh. Better skin gene. My mom had melanoma.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's probably a big one.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. Say goodbye yeah. for that. Um, favorite fiction and non-fiction book?
1: Uh, Eat, Pray, Love mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, what's my favorite non? Mm, I don't know. I'll come back to that one. Okay. I gotta think about it.
0: Let's see favorite uh, excuse me what is the daily music playlist theme
1: mm. so i love prince nice but i love cat stevens which is kind of interesting <laughs> um today i have been listening a lot to vance joy okay yeah saw him live a while back a couple weeks ago he's pretty good live
0: new apple music spotify yes, apple, music. apple music yeah uh drink of choice wake up and wind down we know it's wine for wind down but yes. what do you drink in the morning
1: caffeine i mean don't talk to me until i've had two cups two cups yes
0: just straight black coffee or with cream or with cream no okay. sugar mm-hmm. uh i Ooh. still can't do black coffee I but i'm either. slowly winding down less and less sugar less and less milk there you go uh what would your last meal be
1: i picked up a salmon spinach salad from Etsy's on the way over here
0: Oh, no. What would your last oh, meal be? Oh, last meal like be. Spi- oh, gosh. salmon spinach salad should not be oh, your last meal.
1: Hell no. Um, I love cheese. Like, I want, like, an amazing cheese plate. Okay. Yes.
0: What is your biggest pet peeve?
1: People with bad manners. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People who say your husband must be supporting you. <laughs> what is your favorite podcast?
1: Oh, How I Built This. That's but no, you know what? Um, Founders 15, have you heard of it?
0: I... I think someone I know. Okay. Yeah.
1: Check it out. It's a good one.
0: Excellent. What monthly of your monthly budget? What do you think you spend percentage wise on Amazon? Oh gosh. Do you do groceries on Amazon?
1: No, I'm not there yet because okay. I, I I love to cook. Um, okay. And that's part of you my. You want to go
0: pick it out? And, yes. Yep.
1: Um, maybe ten percent. That's not too bad pretty good. It's mainly stuff for the kids. Yeah. Cause I don't have time to go around and pick all that up.
0: What TV show could you watch over and over and over again?
1: The bachelor and the bachelorette. Oh no. I know it's disgusting. It's my guilty pleasure. Oh no. I know.
0: And like half the city of Dallas has been on that show
1: I too. Know. And Jeremy's made so much fun of me over the years for watching it. Yeah. And then maybe two or three years ago, some dude went on there and had on a pair of Harimari. So he now allows it. He'll watch it with me now.
0: Oh, obviously.
1: Um. But yeah, it's, I, it's embarrassing, but it is my guilty pleasure. I have not missed an episode.
0: Whoa. Okay. I know.
1: That's aggressive.
0: That's very aggressive. Yes. Jen and I have watched random seasons from time to time. Yeah. And th- there are some good people who are on that show.
1: Yes, for um, sure.
0: But it is also awful.
1: It's it allows me to not think about work.
0: Yeah. You're really not thinking about work when no. you're yeah. <laughs> <At all.
1: laughs> I might be losing brain cells, but <laughs> I'm not thinking about work.
0: Probably not losing brain cells. You're just not adding any. True, true. Um, what is your favorite article of clothing that is not Harimari?
1: Oh, I like a good pair of jeans. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You have a favorite brand or just kind of depends on the no, day? No,
1: no brand. Just depends on the fit. But I'm a jeans and flip-flops gal.
0: And when you go to pick out your flops for the day, mm-hmm. is it, whatever's closest do you go by color do you have a favorite kind of style there's so many choices
1: there are it depends on my mood yeah do i want to be bright and cheery with my feet yes or be a little more subtle today i'm a little more subtle that's
0: great excellent <laughs> i don't have a rhyme or reason as to how i pick out my shirts it's just kind of i have a lot of shirts i'm obviously. sure yes people still ask me so do you wear anything other than Mizen and Maine and I definitely not yeah I don't know why I ever would
1: I can't walk in high heels anymore yeah it's a problem I mean high, heel, high
0: heels are a problem yes it doesn't make sense yes uh, what is uh when, when it comes to cardio do you love or hate cardio
1: love cardio but I'm not like a marathon runner by okay. any means I'm a I'm a two to three mile person every time at the gym yeah
0: do you like running inside more than outside
1: only because we live in Texas and running outside. Isn't really something that you can do a lot.
0: You do it like four days a year.
1: Yeah, maybe five.
0: Would you rather fight off 100 duck-sized horses or one (laughs) horse-sized duck?
1: I love horses. So I don't, I wouldn't want to be mean to horses. So maybe the large. The large one. Yes, the large duck.
0: What is your favorite destination to travel to? I know you love traveling, been Mm -hmm. to a lot of places. Do you have one Mm -hmm. favorite?
1: I loved Bali. Yeah. Bali is a pretty special place.
0: Uh, the beach or up into the jungle?
1: Up into the jungle. I mean, the beaches are pretty, don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. Um, but there's so much culture there. The Mm -hmm. food's excellent, the culture's incredible. Um, it's a special place.
0: Andy Dunn from Bonobos, um, we met a couple years ago and he was telling me about Ubud up in the jungle. And yeah, um, Jen and I actually went there on our next big trip. You did, and it was breathtaking, isn't it? Cool, so so beautiful, yeah. Um, and, and not somewhere, honestly, without his recommendation, we, I don't, I don't know why we would have gone there of all the places in the world that we could go. So I yeah. really appreciated that. Uh, last but not least the best gift that you've ever received.
1: Oh, that's hard. Oh, goodness. There've been many, but the most recent one that comes to mind is, um, I love going to concerts and I love Jack O'Pierce. Are You familiar with Jacko Pierce, the band. No. The guys are from SMU, no. but they went to SMU also. Okay, no. They're a little bit older than we are. Um, but Jeremy surprised me this past Christmas to a trip to San Miguel, Mexico with concert tickets to go see them and
0: that's included cool. and
1: included my parents. So we had a fun trip to Mexico to go see a great band.
0: That's a pretty cool gift. Yeah,
1: that's a great one. Very thoughtful.
0: So not letting you off the hook, Kay. favorite nonfiction book.
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I don't read any fiction.
0: That's a fair answer.
1: I really don't, but I...
0: I wasn't sure on e Pray, Love, so yes. I'm glad you clarified that for me.
1: Yes, so I would need a fiction. Yeah, I don't read any. I think I, the last one I read was Girl on a Train. That was pretty good.
0: Yeah, Jen absolutely loved that yeah. book. I've not read it. Yeah. All right, we got our book recommendations in. Okay. Thank you so much for making some time. This was a great, great conversation. Go check out Hari Mari and uh, look forward to getting some feedback. Thanks,
1: Thanks, Kevin, appreciate it.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you.